Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7, Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the difference between winning and losing! Between living and dying! Welcome into 11 Personnel with Nick Roush and Adam Luckett. We are one week in to the Kentucky football preseason, and we're happy to be brought to you by our good friends at La Rosa. It's time to try new wings, and why not some pizza too? La Rosa's has you covered for game day and any day in between with over 40 menu items, whether it's pizza, wings, hoagies, fries, and desserts. You can take your Catterday up to the next level. Visit LaRosas.com right now to order pickup delivery or just join them in the dining room. Some of Cincinnati's finest now in Central Kentucky. Check out your local LaRosas today. Local LaRosas. Man, some of the, the – I'm, I'm still getting the, the tongue twisters down like it, but it's worth it because LaRosas is just delicious. Anyone who's ever been to a Reds game is very familiar with LaRosas pizza. Now they've got – Lexington locate one or two locations, I believe. I think it's three now. Three yeah. locations in Lexington. I mean, so yeah, you can you can check it out. I haven't digged into the breadsticks or anything like that, or the wings. Gonna gonna have to get over there to try them out. But La Rosa's Pizza, yeah, we'll get the job done for you for sure. The last time I was uh, in, we had two extra large La Rosas at a friend's house in Cincinnati, and we decided we'd rather eat more pizza than go out and have a good time. It was like. Eh. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I guess a this over a heck of a night. Well, we knew we were getting overserved, just didn't know it was going to be on pizza tonight. <laughs> One of those nights. Um, well, okay, let's talk a little football. Last time we talked, it was right after the open scrimmage. Uh, I think you can hear all of that on the KSR football podcast feed with Freddie Maggard. But there's been it was quite it was quite a newsy week, surprisingly, especially a newsy newsy Tuesday. Didn't expect to hear about position changes and all sorts of stuff coming right out of the gate. No, deny this position changes has just been kind of crazy. There's some positionless football vibes going on over mm-hmm. there. I mean, you just look at the running back position now. Torrance Davis, linebacker, moves back to running back. Now you got Michael Drennan, the second, uh, going from slot receiver to running back. Now he was an all-purpose back listed. I'm coming out of Dublin Kaufman High School um, there in the Columbus area. So, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of tinkering going on by Liam Cohen for sure, which I think – you know, we'll see how all this stuff works out. But there was there was some complaints about lack of creativity and all mm-hmm. that. And though that's not going on. Like they're <laughs> they're uh there's some mad scientist stuff that they're cooking up over there right now. And I think if you just kind of looking at this, the flexibility they're showing, I think you could that could re- result on game day that they might be willing to try 
to do a little bit more stuff, maybe see some more gadget play, stuff like that. Yeah, and so, I mean, my initial, like when I heard Drennan was moving to running back, I, I think there was some reason for pause. You know, you've got this loaded running back room, but you don't have any receivers. So, like, wait, come on, this, this, does this really make sense? But I, I think long-term, like the kid – it, it, it's almost reminds me of like Josh Pascal in that little tweener stage right. where, you know, he's a great running back with some really good receiving tools, but maybe those weren't just translating that well to slot. The thing is, is if you lining, line him up as a running back, then he can really have an upper hand on whoever's guarding him. So like, you know, for instance, he, he was just sharing some videos of him running routes one-on-one, -on -one, but instead of doing one-on-one -on -one routes with, a you know, a nickel cornerback, he's doing them against a linebacker, which he would see more, uh, you know, if he's lining up out of the backfield initially and motioning it out. So I think you can create some more mismatches there. And, you know, with the outside zone, like long-term, he might not be getting a ton of carries this fall. I, I can't imagine him doing that. But long-term, this right. could end up benefiting him more. Uh, by playing running back. The way we saw Jatah McClain be used at Kentucky Fan Day in open practice, you can foresee him succeeding in that type of role. I mean, it's very kind of Alvin Kamara light, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, in a very, very light standard where it's more like he's getting more receptions and targets than carries. Um, and they're splitting them out, and they're doing some different stuff with him in the past game, trying to take – advantage of some matchups to I me mean, it's a very nfl kind of thought process to me uh, is trying to take advantage of using your backs in the passing game and so i think that's what you're kind of seeing from that i think that there's going to be a concerted effort to get those guys involved in the passing game to get the backs mm -hmm. some targets and then yeah. now i think when you look at the 2020 wide receiver class only guy left standing is my dude Ernest. oh ernie khalil branham's out Isaiah Cummings at tight end. Drennan moved to the slot. Uh, that, that got thin really, really quick. <laughs> well, and it also, you, you got to think that they feel good about the new guys coming in as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, it is funny you mentioned how many that was. Uh, it, it also was kind of, you know, when, when we found out this news, I think, actually from Vince. But, you know, we were speaking to John Settle, and he was like, you know, I used to always joke with him that, I'm going to end up moving to running back. And, well, I wasn't joking. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he, he was at Wisconsin, recruited him to play running back at Wisconsin. And uh, Settle might have lost the battle, but he's going to win the war, by God. Yeah, and that, that shows that that position coach is pretty invested in him. So, I think that's a good thing probably long-term for Drennan. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the future. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um and you mentioned Cummings and his position change too. Some of the quotes we got about that did not like Mark Stoops, always hesitant to provide effusive praise. But between him and Vince, I mean, even Vince, Vince is a, a PT Barnum of sorts. Yeah, no doubt. But like he kind of was like, you, you could tell he wanted to pump the brakes when he was talking about Isaiah. He's like, you know, I kind of always thought he'd be a tight end, but man, I didn't, 
I actually was expecting worse, you know, about what he's shown us so far. So they did not hesitate to throw him the ball at open practice. And he has not hesitated to rise to the occasion. So I think that's a great development because let's be frank, he's going to catch more balls this year as a tight end than he would have as a wide receiver. This is a victory lap for the 11 personnel podcast. (laughs) We have been talking about Isaiah Cummings being switched to tight end probably since he signed. Yeah, like, it's been a long time. We've talked about it multiple times this offseason. And then when we met um, in our little makeshift studios down there at the Courtyard Marriott in Hoover on Tuesday of SEC mm-hmm. Media Day week, when we learned Upshaw was out, we went on there and said, you just need to stop messing around and just move Cummings to tight end. And that they did. And now yep. now we're seeing some him hit some checkpoints, I think, here early, which is a great oh. sign. I think he has NFL potential there. Um, it can create mismatch advantages. And like Liam Cohen said at Kentucky media day was like, there is going to be some value there um, for what he can bring. And I love that aspect, but he's got to, you know, it's up to him how much capacity and stuff he could have right, to, right. to translate the position. And well, so far it, it it's going about as well as I think you could hope for it to go. You, you also forgot to mention too, that you taught Nick Saban what 12 personnel is. So, I mean, yeah. big time 12 personnel podcast over yeah. here. We just there love we our go. tight ends. Uh, we need, we can't maybe help we it. have to, on our logo here, um, we'll just uh, mark out the second one and write a two over it. <laughs> Black ink a or something. Over it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it's good to see, like, that it's, it's been a pretty quick reaction. And it's also, uh, you know, uh, peeled behind the curtains. We were doing a – we were doing some position previews before this. And there's one thing that, that just kind of struck a chord that were all the wires crossed at once. Perfect synergy in my brain. The receivers consider this offense pretty simple to learn. You talked about the capacity look at to look. I think that's going to help get guys like the Kilkrautis and stuff on the field where – Hey, if we can get them to where they know only – they don't got to know the whole thing. But if they know a few things, I can I can, I can, can dial up some plays to get them open. So, I, I think that we can be confident enough that Cohen can get that done and, and, and make it simple for some of these talented young athletes. A little kiss strategy going over, on over there. Keep it simple, stupid. So, they're, they're just trying, I think, especially for those freshmen, maybe not asking them to do – a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think Wandell Robinson and Ali, uh, they probably have a lot more on their plate. Right. Than maybe some of these other guys. Maybe these other guys are just asking them to do – just work, work, focus on this or that, ABC. So, maybe that's a way they can get on the field. And I think that that 2021 class, you talked Deckel Crowdis, you talked Chris Lewis, you talked Chauncey Magwood. I think all three of those guys are going to have a legitimate shot at getting some snaps this season. Uh, and I think the guy who's going to be throwing it to him is Will Levis because the, you know, Vince kind of spilled the beans. <laughs> Stoops yeah. did not, Stoops did not want to talk too much about quarterbacks. You know, Cohen was adamant and, you know, literally when, minutes after Cohen was like, he's not getting handed the job. Yeah. He's going to have to earn it. Then, then Vince was like, yeah, I think Levis has got it. <laughs> but you know what though? I mean, Here's the thing. All of those can be true. Like Cohen can say that Will is earning his starting job without handing it to him, but it's just because he's better. Like Vince can also say he's throwing the ball better because he is. Like, right. And what we saw on Saturday, Levis had a much better day than, than Gatewood. So 
all of those can be true. It's it's just kind of um, it's funny to hear that from Vince one weekend because you know Gable was his guy, and I mean he, he's a guy that uh, Vince helped bring to Kentucky, and Vince has always kind of been in his corner, you know, pushing for him. So uh, quite a quite a stark turn for for the big dog. Yeah, when you look at Will Levis, the biggest thing for him in this was just probably going to be winning the team over on kind of short notice. Um, getting in there and the team kind of buying in, all right, this is the best quarterback. This is who we need to win. It sounds like his play in practice is probably doing that. I think some people mm-hmm. are coming away pretty impressed um, so far. I'll be interested to see if we get any type of buzz out of this first scrimmage that's scheduled to take place on Saturday. Right. But I think he's just hitting the checkpoints they want him to hit. And, like, it gets back to – he was added for a reason. He was always, I think, the heavy favorite to start. And I think we're starting to see that play out a little bit in the beginning of fall camp. Yeah, that, that scrimmage Saturday. Um, we, we spoke with the defense early Thursday. And uh, instead of rushing back to, like, type up something because there was breaking news, a lot of the defense was, we'll find out when we can tackle them, when we're taking them to the ground. Because they went five days in a row to start. Uh, they put on their pads towards, I think, on that fifth day. Today's day seven. I think that, you know, they're doing the, uh, what do you call it, button up? Or what, what, what was the phrase you all used? Where you you, you, you hit them and you kind of wrap up, but you don't. Uh, you just kind of you just uh, kind of buck them. It's not really. Buck them. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a more football-y sounding term. Uh, it's, we call yeah. it, I get what it, um, uh, like tap off. It's kind of what it was called. You I think just, we said it's one, it's one hit and then you're done. Don't right, don't kick right. anybody to the ground. And so, like, you can't really tell a lot with the defense. But to go back to your beloved sub package, like it, the other thing you've been hitting on forever. Today we talked to Devontae Robinson and Yusuf Corker. Devontae Robinson is a guy that I had written off that I shouldn't have because part of his problem wasn't. Like he said today, you know, physically I was there last year, but mentally with COVID and everything, like coming off the injury, I I think a good parallel is Darius West, who had just some horrific injuries. I mean, like his legs were all shattered all to hell. In that first year, that 2017 season, he was good, but he missed – his angles were off. He just didn't have the, um, the timing, the feeling down. And then in that 2018 season, I mean, he was the unsung hero of that defense, the guy we didn't talk about enough who, you know, if he plays in that first half against Tennessee, Kentucky could win that game. <laughs> you know, like he right. he was incredible. And I don't know if we can expect that kind of production from Robinson, but I think we can just the way that they can interchange guys, move from nickel to free to strong. I think having a Robinson that is back to feeling like his old self along with a bunch of other experienced guys, offenses are going to have a lot of trouble identifying just what coverage is. I mean, Kentucky, look at for all Stoops' great – I mean, Kentucky can play some boring defense. It's good, boring defense. They don't do a lot of confusion stuff. But I think with the amount of experience they have at the positions they have it in, they really can throw offenses more curveballs than they ever had before with Mark Stoops. 2018, Devontae Robinson, as a red shirt sophomore, got his first real playing time, was kind of the sixth defensive back, but played a lot. I think he started a couple of games. PFF graded him out for the season at 75.5, was one of the better grades on that defense that year. Like, he was a budding star heading into 2019. 
He has a freak quadriceps injury. Then last year, he just wasn't himself all season. And I think it's kind of a lesson for us as we enter this year, setting expectations for J.J. Weaver. He's coming off a major knee injury. He just now started practicing. He probably won't start playing real physical contact tackle football here for a few more weeks. And even when he does, it's going to take him a while to kind of adjust on that knee. Um, because of that, I think that we get back to sub packages is going to be a huge part of this defense. Um, I think you're going to see them play a lot of kind of three, three, five type looks. Uh, maybe that's not much edge rushing, but that you can, you can bring a fourth rusher, but it can come from anywhere. It could come from any blitzer. You can do some like zone blitz stuff. Um, and then you can use, I think you can get, play a, a third safety, middle safety, and do some creative stuff with maybe Vito Tisdale or Joe Williams or something like that. But a key part in all of that, I think, is Devontae Robinson. They have to have him out there, and they have to feel comfortable, I think, at using him at multiple spots. And I just think he's a key, key part of this defense. And I think it's very, very good news early that we're hearing he's back to his normal self. Man, the uh, really is a freak accident when you just tear a quad lifting. It's, I mean, this is kind of like Upshaw with his pec, you know? Right. Like that could be another one that takes a while, at least – in Upshaw's case, you know, so it's, I feel like run uh, lower body versus upper body really is a whole different animal. Yeah, I think so. Especially right. mentally, just cutting and moving around. But you're not using um, your pectoral, your chest is just there. I think the only reason you would be worried is maybe blocking and getting tackled. Um, but running routes, stuff like that, I think he would be fine. Uh, but where quadriceps, it's, you know, you're on your leg every. Yeah. Every yeah. second of every practice, snap, whatever. So, and it's a weird injury. Uh, you don't know. I, I mean, I don't see in football many guys tearing their quad. Right, right. You get like bruised quad in the NFL, strain, and it's right. like, yeah, right. something you know, some nasty you know contusion. But the uh, the one thing that I it was kind of weird too, like it that I've enjoyed as much as I, I like, you know, busting Fortner and rig up Robinson is year six, right? So he's yeah, probably like senior. year six, 23, 26 Yeah. Mm -hmm. 23, 24 years old. You have use of Corker back there. Corker's married and has a kid. Like <laughs> it's just, right. it's different talking to some of these guys. I mean, Deandre square, when he first got to Kentucky, Great player, very shy talking to us. He went from two, three words and answer to now he's just an adult out there. And it's, I, I think the experience, sometimes we can, you know, beat that drum maybe a little bit too loudly, but man, to, to have it in so many different places, like um, we need to get to, uh, this this will segue us nicely into our next topic with Chris Rodriguez and the vampires. But the quote I got today was that this is a much more player-led team. And I, I think it's just more pervasive than what it previously was because, uh, as Chris Rodriguez said, there were, there were some vampires out there sucking the life out of the team. <laughs> you just look at the defense in general. There's some gams over there. There's some grown-ass men. Devontae Robinson, super senior. Redshirt seniors. Tyro Asian. Um, Yusuf Corker at safety. Cedric Dort Jr. at cornerback. 
Jordan Wright at edge, Josh Pascal at defensive line, potentially a bully about a Fitzgerald at the other boundary tackle starting. You look at just true seniors, fourth-year seniors, Marquand McCall at nose, DeAndre Square, Square at will, Jaquez Jones at Mike. That's just, that's a lot of experience and old mm-hmm. heads kind of in a yeah, locker room. Yeah. So it's got – we haven't really asked this. It's got to be the oldest defense Mark Stoops has ever coached. I can't imagine uh, yeah. the defense being older than this. <laughs> and so I get that as a coach and when it's player led like that, that just gives you a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've kind of gone through, I think they, they're going to be able to get a little more complex this year. And I think that's why you've seen Stoops and Brad White um, be excited about this group and be willing to do um, some more, I think, creative stuff. I think um, the, the pressure package we see for Kentucky, I think is going to be more extensive than what we've seen in the past. And I think that's why they're, they're pretty excited about coaching them. And that's why I've always, um, I've always been on the, this defense is going to be better than a lot of people are thinking side of the fence all offseason because they, they are just so old. I think they're going to be able to do some things and then they're still going to be able to keep up with that, that big play prevention. And I think they're going to have a really solid year on that side of the ball. But to the vampires, that was a very interesting comment. <laughs> yeah. Like Chris Rodriguez. And to me, that had to be on the offensive side, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. 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 You he see, said- you look at all the guys that just transferred. I mean, that's where uh-huh. your head goes. Right, right. He said, when I first got here, you could tell everybody was clued in. Over the past few years, everybody has started to come together. First, we had a lot of people that were doing it, but we had a lot of people we called vampires where they just suck the blood out of the team. Like, they don't really want to practice. They don't care to be there. Even if they're not playing, like scout team guys, they're like, I don't like coming to practice. So n- now you're getting a little bit more buy-in on that offensive side of the ball where there's not as much. Because, like, it, you know – I don't only it only takes one turd in the punch bowl to make me not want to drink it. So I'm not going to I can see how even Joe backup can bring down the vibe of the team, especially for younger guys who are, you know, calling scratching, trying to get there. So um, you know, I, I don't know if we need to have a segment where we just try to pick out the vampires by name, but uh to hear it from Rodriguez, who's typically not the most candid guy, like that's significant. That's that's significant. Yeah, um, they might have pulled out of South Florida for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think so. that's I think that's safe to say like it. Uh, but we don't need to suck any more life out of you. We do need to give you some updates from around training camps in the SEC. And like it, I think the most significant development was down at South Carolina. Yeah, there's really two of them I think we should focus on. It's South Carolina and Tennessee. Really, South Carolina, mm-hmm. star running back Kevin Harris had – they're calling a minor back procedure. <laughs> Which, okay, okay, hold on. <laughs> minor back yeah. procedure? That, that, that Minor back – that does not exist. There's no such thing as a minor back procedure. Mm-hmm. So, we're a, they're a week in the fall camp. They're right on the same timeline as Kentucky, and he hasn't practiced with the team yet. And they're if they're on Kentucky's schedule, they should be having their first scrimmage on Saturday. And he hasn't been out there yet. I mean, that's he, not. And what when he gets out there, they're not just going to throw him in full pads and say, "Right, you know, right, go yeah. run power right quick." So that that's not good. Now they open with an FCS team, I believe. Week two, they go to East Carolina. They do have a friendly, yeah. Like if they can win that East Carolina game, yeah, that's they have a, a pretty one, friendly spar, start that's to a, their. Schedule. I might be on the Purple Pirates that week. 
Oh, that's a tricky one. Now their Ooh. win total, I think we're going to get a win total. So they can get three and a half. So obviously expectations are super low at South Carolina, but mm. that's not good. I mean, he's their whole kind of offensive attack. Now, Marshawn Lloyd, top 50 recruit out of the DMV, who's coming off an ACL injury. He's back and he's, he's going through football for the first time with a big knee brace. So their expectations are high for him. But if Harris isn't good to go, I think that's a worry. And I think you have to pump the brakes kind of on him coming back from a back surgery. What does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? So that's, that's danger. I think for Shane Beamer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, he was going to be your bell cow. He was going to get you to where you could contend for it. And you don't want, I mean, that guy carried the, crap out of the ball i don't have the numbers in front of me but he was 20 plus a game last year like his body's got some wear and tear right. on it now you've got a back surgery in there was probably if, the most explosive running back in the sec last and if year. you're uh I, I i know he did have he beat rodriguez in yards rushes of 20 yards or more i had that say so he had 11 last year rodriguez had eight but here's another thing too if you're beamer why rush him back i'd rather have him good to go Next year, then having him like jack yeah. up his back again, and then you just you've wasted an all SEC type performer. So, and then week three, they go to Georgia right before they host Kentucky. Yeah, that, whoo, yeah, could be rough all, there for the game, right? Comes. And then on the other side of the ball, they scored a big recruiting win in the transfer portal. Karan Prunty was a freshman All American at Kansas, didn't give up a touchdown pass last year, um, was really a good one of the few good players on. Kansas's team. He transfers to South Carolina, arrives in July. Um, he's entered the transfer portal again for unknown reasons. So he's he's out. He's no yeah. longer there at South Carolina. And when you look at South Carolina as a team, really on the line of scrimmage, they should be fine to good on both sides. Uh, their running back position should be a position of strength, but their back seven and like their receivers and quarterback are in rough shape in the SEC. And so that that takes out a potential plus player I think at cornerback and just it's a tough the tough gig right now I think at South Carolina they're not not a lot of good news coming out of Columbia early for Beamer no no not <laughs> not not whatsoever um not a lot of good news coming out of Tennessee either the uh oh man I need to oh I, I like can you look up that that first scrimmage what they were saying or no that was the actually that was the spring game i'm mistaken that for their first they just scrimmage. had they had their first scrimmage today actually yeah i'm Our thinking of the spring did. game whenever the quarterbacks were just there was like a hilarious tweet about how they've gotten like three first downs and seven series or something ridiculous like that that was but that was in the spring i'm getting a little ahead of myself but uh brian marr <laughs> I was hoping you would remember that because I was gonna. That's how I was gonna introduce. Just Mr. Mar, Yeah, he's Mar. You got the Brian Mar. He's he gone. He's left the program. No. Uh, the guy that Butch Jones loved to put in for Jared, or not Butch Jones. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt loved to put in. Man, the rotating door at Tennessee is just hilarious. He loved to put in Meyer for uh, Garantano whenever Garantano mm -hmm. would screw up, and then Meyer would screw up some more. Turns out Meyer not good either. He's gone. He it took him five days before he realized like I'm fourth string behind Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker, and Joe Melton. Like they're not even gonna give me a chance. So I'm getting the hell out of here before school even starts. So uh, he left the program pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise, I think, that Josh Heupel kept four scholarship quarterbacks, kept them that happy through spring and summer. 
that they all wanted to yeah. go out and play in fall camp. Um, they brought in UC, or not UCF, Michigan transfer Joel Milton. He's kind of the favorite to win that starting job. I think what you're going to see is him, and then you're going to have Virginia Tech transfer Hendon Hooker kind of be their gadget quarterback. And then you got Harrison Bailey and Maurer. And Maurer, um, I guess he got relegated to third string pretty quick, and he just um, hit the deuces, and he's out. He's going to be in the portal. It wasn't that bad either, Virginia Tech. I know it's a different Just volume. The scheme is not um, – that's an RPO read option, probably quarterback, I would imagine. Um, they need to heavy play action offense um, where Tennessee it's all it's it's the Art Bryles offense it's mm-hmm. either run it um, or spread it out and you're, we're, going, we're not really attacking the middle of the field we're going we're either running screens or we're just throwing bombs deep down the sideline and I don't think that's really hooker strength and that's why Milton I think is a favorite because he's got mm-hmm. a rocket launcher on his right shoulder this uh, <laughs> this this segment where we've just talked about Tennessee, the subtle slips of the tongue, like UCF or Butch Jones. Like, if you're a Tennessee fan, like, you just got to be like, God, mm-hmm. where the – what the hell? Like, what is going on here? Tennessee's weird because you look at their schedule and it is manageable. If they beat Pitt in the non-conference, they can get to six and six, and then that's a very good season. Because, you know, you got Vandy, you get South Carolina at home. Obviously, the Alabama draw is tough. You get Ole Miss at home, that's not great, but it's not terrible of all the things you could get out of the West. Um, And then you got three easy non-conference games outside of Pitt. So, like, you could kind of maybe get your way there to six wins. But they're on such a thin line because of all the transfers. Like, they have to have, like, 60-something scholarship players. And then – Today, there's projected starting left tackle. Uh, Hypo announced he's out for a surgery. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. Um, Karan Calbert, I think is his name. Now, he was the th- he, just seven, eight months ago, he was the third left tackle because Wanya Morris moved to Oklahoma, and then Jameer Johnson moved to Texas A&M. So they're already on their fourth offensive tackle from what Jeremy <laughs> Pruitt would have had, you know, nine months ago or whatever. Right, right, right. At, at left Man. tackle so they're like they're just like a few i mean i mean it's just they're like three or four injuries away from the whole thing just blowing up and then who knows what could happen to the team um so they're just going to be fascinating to watch because i think that schedule opens up some things where they could get to a bowl game maybe you know go and have a party maybe win and then that could they could really sell that to the next recruiting class or it could just go the other way and they could fall off a cliff um, yeah so just fascinating to see how how that that, that season goes for hypo we, we need to get to win totals, but one thing I did want to mention before you mentioned the amount of transfers, the amount of people at the University of Louisville. I think Eric Crawford crunched the numbers, and if you count yeah, people who have COVID eligibility, they have – is it 60 players that are technically freshmen? Yeah, Satterfield said like 70. But, yeah, it was – I don't know if his math was exactly right, but, but – right. yeah. That's bad. Like, I get that you're like, oh, we've got fresh new blood. No, like, you can't have that many freshmen. They're going to get chewed up and that's and why you've, out. You've, well, and you've heard the roster management issues some coaches have had with these um, scholarship numbers because you're only allowed 25 per class. And then you could, it's going to create where you're going to, you know, you're going to have so many scholarships you're not going to be able to fit. It's going to, because of the COVID rule, it's going to create all these um, in the transfer new market, it's going to create all these. Um, 
uh, mathematical problems for filling out a class each year. Right, right. Um, to know be how to balance your scholarship. Yeah, and Satterfield's been one of the guys that's really spoken out about that. Um, but, yeah, they had 70-something freshmen, I think you oh, said, man. when they opened up fall camp. And you know what, Luckett? This is a great way to segue into our win total segment. We're going to share some of our favorite bets. And I really – I'm not going to go big on it because I don't think the ACC is that great. But Louisville is at six and a half. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is I gave them the benefit of the doubt. But, like, I, I can count five wins pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. But, but there's a lot of – toss-ups out like you know obviously losing to Clemson but I think really the rest of them are toss-ups yeah. and that's that's the why ACC. I, I, I that's why I think it's it it, it would be fun to play at because I don't see him beating Ole Miss or UCF um, and then things can really snowball from there if if you know you get Florida State rallying around Mike Norvell or you know they, they've kind of Louisville's had trouble with Virginia over the years and, and you know NC State was pretty good last year so I, I don't know where a lot of those teams are going to fall in the pecking order but I always like betting against Louisville because I'm putting my money where my mouth is and loving a Louisville loss and helping it uh, benefit me financially. Yeah, Louisville under six and a half was one of my. Many I wrote down, uh, didn't make my final five for this, but I will I think I'm going to have 10 and I'm going to put on Twitter for all you degenerates out there. Oh, so nice. If you're looking for some, uh, more than, more than just five, I've got, I've got a little deep dive for you, but yeah, Louisville, what all comes down, Nick, is that UCF game that Friday. That's the mm-hmm. swing game to me. If they win that, I think Louisville, like the goal should be go. Can we just get to seven and five this year and then build for next year? Uh, but the UCF's a swing game because then they're staring at a one and two start if they lose UCF and they got back to back road trips to Florida State Wake Forest right after that uh, before hosting Virginia at home. It could just get it could just get bad right there. Get real gnarly, yeah. And then if you if that's the case and you and then you lose those two, you're one and four. And then you might have lack of buy in with everything that's gone on right around there. And so the start the start is the key. I, I have them under six and a half. I would have loved it. It used to be seven. Like if you could have got this at seven. It would have felt like a take it to the bank type of wager because, like I said, I think the ceiling is seven and five. You mentioned that's the life in the ACC. It's just there's a lot of toss up games, games yeah. that can go yeah. either way. You could if you you know if everything bounces right, you get some turnover luck. You can maybe get to eight and four, uh, but if something bounces wrong, you miss some kicks or whatever, you could go five and seven. So that that's kind of the world they're living in. Yeah, it's uh. It's anyone's guess um, with with some of those toss up games in the ACC, but uh, lucky. What, what's one of your final fives? Yeah, the first one I'll start with. I'm going out west to the Pac-12. Stanford plays, I believe, eleven or twelve Power Five teams this year. It's yeah. twelve. They have nine conference games, three non-conference Power Five opponents. I think one of them is Notre Dame, right? Yeah, Notre Dame. The end of the season at home, but. There's, their total is only four, four games. One of their non-conference games is at Vanderbilt, which should be a win. Yeah. They open with Kansas State. Like, if they win that Kansas State game, they're clearing four. If they don't, I still think they can get to five. Um, the Pac-12 is not super gnarly. I think I trust David Shaw enough. So, I'm going to go Stanford over four. It's minus 110 right now, so pretty decent odds. It just that's too small. I know their schedule is just absolutely ridiculous, but they're gonna 
they're going to pull at least one upset or two, and then I think they can finagle their way to five, five or six. So give me Stanford over four. Okay, I'll give you Stanford over four. Um, will you give me LSU under eight and a half? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I had LSU eight and four when I drew it out, so I, there wasn't enough cushion there for me, but I like that. Well, because he, here's the thing, like it, uh, I think the path to getting nine, like to, to get over that, you're only like you're, you're going to lose to Alabama and you're going to lose to A&M in my mind. I, I don't see them being – I just don't think they're built like those other two teams are. That, that portal's been brutal to them. So – and, and then from there, you have toss-up games. Now, granted, two of these three are, you know, hell, here, here's four toss-up games. Auburn at home, Florida at home, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State. There's your five big to- – I, I, I gave you up five there. I could I could see them winning, like, only one of those. You know, I, I just don't – I don't trust Max Johnson. I don't trust – Coach O, I don't, I don't, I don't trust it enough to say that they're going to be able to take care of business on the road and in rivalry games at home. Maybe they win some of those rivalry games at home, but are they going to be able to outscore the, the lane train? Like, yeah, I, I just, I can't, I can't see them get to that ninth one. Yeah, that Ole Miss trip—that's their eighth game in eight, eight weeks. Yeah, like, so they're going to be they're, pretty they're tired gonna, when they go to Oxford. Wayne's going to run a big game up and for down, Lane, man. Right? Yeah. That that week one game at UCLA, man, it's so tricky. UCLA plays week zero at home against Hawaii, so they're going to get a game under their belts before LSU comes out there. And that's a game we talked about. Either LSU is going to go there and lose it, or they're going to win by seventeen to me. I don't, I don't think there's kind of any in between. Um, so that kind of sets the stage. But, but yeah, the um, S and P Plus had LSU outside the top twenty-five preseason at twenty-six. Um, so the Vance numbers aren't huge on this LSU team. And then mm-hmm. playing the SEC West, yeah, it just – it kind of feels like an eight and four team. So eight and a half, I like. If you could get it at nine, I would really love that. Take that under um, because nine, you got the push insurance there. But, yeah, I think we're enter, entering an eight and four type seven, five season for LSU. And then then it becomes what happens to Orgeron if that happens. Right, right. And, it, and a lot of it depends on off the – you know, uh, what happens off the field as well, you know, like how portal, all that, all that sort of nonsense too, you know? So, um, look at, what do you got up next? Okay. We're going back to the ACC and my guy, Jeff Halfley, man, I got to do it. Boston <laughs> college coming off a real impressive debut season. Um, the season total is seven. I feel very good about this team getting to seven. I think they could have a potential breakthrough top top 25 season, eight and four, nine and three. Look at their schedule. They got three really easy non-conference games to start off. Colgate at UMass at Temple. They got they get Missouri at home. They can win that game, I think, against Missouri. Um, and then the ACC, like we talked about. Um, so if you got three right there, then they only have to get to four and four to push. I think they can get there. Um, road trips to Georgia Tech, Louisville, Syracuse are all winnable games. I think BC is going to get to eight and four, nine or three, and Jeff Halfley is going to be like a huge coaching candidate. And if Michigan opens, I think he might be the top target for the mm. So, so give me Boston College over seven. You have to lay a dollar thirty right now, so it's there, there's some juice to that over. So that's getting some steam. But I like I like the Eagles this year. Man, I uh, so so part of my process is like I want to 
bet against some teams that I think overperformed a year ago, especially right. last year where there was some weird COVID kind of oddities. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina and Liberty are both tempting, but they bring in their quarterbacks back, which is significant. Um, in, in Liberty, they've got a showdown. Like that, that number at nine is awfully high, especially with trips to Ole Miss. But, like, Syracuse is terrible. They'll, they'll which, get up and beat them. That game's not being talked about enough. Yeah. Like, Hugh uh, Freeze is going to Ole Miss to play. Like, that that the, is going to with be – With an NFL quarterback. Two yeah. NFL quarterbacks. Going, uh, that's, like, that's not getting enough attention. But that game is going to be, like – It's probably huge. one of the 10 to 15 most must-watch games of the season. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, too. And the pressure is really going to be on lane there. Uh, the one that I want to go against, though, is the darling of college football media. And that is our boy up at Iowa State, which now I can't even – Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. Like, they, they're over under set at nine and a half. You mean to tell me that Iowa State's going to win that many games this year? Yeah, I mean, they haven't beaten Iowa yet. And if yeah. Iowa beats them earlier, they're not getting there. I mean, yeah, that's kind exactly. Of the game that's week right two. <laughs> if they win that game, they can get there. It'll be close. But if the if if the Hawks can knock off the Cyclones again, there's you you can pretty much cash that ticket early. Yeah, I mean you, they've got to go to Oklahoma. Um, got it. Uh, they at least get Texas at home. But like, and and they got a weird road trip to UNLV, and the running Rebs got old Tathan Martell out there. <laughs> so you never know what could happen. Things get weird out in the desert, but. I just, especially after losing their quarterback as well, like I, it's it's not the most in depth, but I'm just I'm not buying that Iowa State can, I'm I'm not buying the Matt Campbell hike. Get the hell out of here, Matt Campbell. Under for your your fighting Matt Campbells at Iowa State. Yeah, speaking of former SEC coaches, over in Orlando, Gus Malzahn takes over for the UCF Knights, and if you go back to our our coaching carousel pod that was a hire I wasn't huge on I just think the fits overall a little weird well the season total is nine and a half for UCF man that's a lot minus 110 with Cincinnati in your conference and and I'm I'm pulling up right I'm pulling up their schedule right now you got the road trip to Louisville so I know I'm contradicting myself there a little bit um (laughs) but you got the road trip to Louisville you open with Boise State at home on a Thursday I think they'll win that game but that's not for sure road trips to Navy Cincinnati Temple SMU so I, I, you can see them being a dog at SMU and at Cincinnati. They play, they get Memphis at home. Um, so yeah, I just don't. I think they're nine and a half is a lot. I don't see ten and two on this with this schedule. I think nine and three is probably set. Eight and four, nine and three is what they're probably going to be. So yeah, give me the under in Gus's first year. Um, okay, nine and a half is a lot. And Gus hasn't Man. won like it. He hasn't won more than you know. He's lost at least four games, like how many years in a row at Auburn? Yeah, where they're true. going eight and four pretty much every year. So I feel pretty good about that under nine and a half. That seat that just seems too large. Yeah, I feel like we're haters because we keep picking unders, but I've got another under, and it's a sad under, and it's Louisiana Monroe under one and a half. This team, mm-hmm. they're going to be bad, bad, bad. Yeah, and they got to win two games. They have, so, they have a pretty tough schedule. Not only do they have Kentucky, but they got to play Coastal Liberty. Coach Sand, Coach Prime time. Yeah, Coach Prime is their FCS game. Like you don't mean to tell me that they're going to be hyped for that game, right? Uh, Coach Prime's probably got more talent on his team than Louisiana Monroe does, and that's their. It's supposed to be their gimme FCS win. So, I, and I ultimately think that'll be Coach Prime rising. You know, being his headline stealing one. I mean, they're going to get like they end the schedule with LSU and Lafayette. They are going to get ran off the field. This is. 
And not to mention that, like, Terry Bowden's missing a couple weeks of the preseason. RIP mm-hmm. to uh, Bobby B, um, a legend of the game gone. But, I, yeah, I'm I'm being a hater. Louisiana Monroe under one and a half wins. Yeah, their non-conference is brutal. I mean, at Kentucky, Liberty at home, which is pretty much an unwinnable game, and then at LSU. That's three really tough non-cons. And then you throw in Jackson State. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see them, you know, winning. It's, it really is. If they get the Jackson I, State I game, was, they, the only thing I hate about it, if they win the Jackson State game, they really only need one conference win. Yeah, that's all. I mean, more than half. But yeah. the thing about the Sun Belt, it's better than a lot of people think, think it is. Like, a lot of these teams are pretty solid teams. Like, Troy, Georgia State. I think South Alabama's got a chance to be okay. Arkansas State. Those are all games they get at home. Can they get one of those? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe they can get Butch on November 13th. Um, but but they have a tough schedule because their bye is week two. So they have 11 games in a row. So it's kind of like that Mark Stoops 2014 season mm-hmm. where they had, you know, 10 games to end the regular season. That's that's tough. And that makes me think that the under is probably the best play there um, yeah. because that's just a lot of games in a row. Whew. Um, well, I could, do, you have an, do you have an over for us with that? Yeah, well, I've had two overs. I had over Stanford, over BC, but I, that UCF was my only under in this top okay, five. Okay, I'm I'm like exclusively picking unders. Don't worry, okay, I have at least good. one. I got four under. I got four overs, and then you're you're riding okay. the under train. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm going back to the ACC uh, Pittsburgh this year. We talked about that big matchup against Tennessee. Their total is also seven um, minus one twenty five. So you got to lay a dollar and a quarter. But Pittsburgh's got a super senior quarterback. They got stability on both coaching staffs. Um, Pat Donduzzi has been there a while, but he hasn't had like the breakthrough season yet. I think this year could be that for the Panthers. Um, they've got a pretty manageable non-conference. I believe they, I think they get, I'm trying to pull up their schedule right now, but they, they've got Narduzzi here lately. His defenses have been really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan Addison is a receiver. That's going to be a pro. He's only a sophomore, had a big season last year as I pull up their schedule. The road games at Georgia Tech is a win. Like, at Duke, I think, is a win. At Syracuse is a win. So, they got a pretty manageable road slate right there. And then home games against Virginia, New Hampshire, Western Michigan, UMass. And then if they can get one in North Carolina, Miami, they could get to nine wins, I think. Um, So, I think it could be a big season for Pittsburgh. So, I'm taking that over seven. And then that's that's another one. If they beat Tennessee week two, that, that thing's going over. Yeah, yeah. I think you can feel very good about that. So, if you think they're beating Tennessee week two, I would go ahead and lock in that over for Pitt. One other team. This is going to be my final hate and pick. And they're a team that it's it's fun to hate. We don't hate on them as much in this sport as we used to. But the Indiana Hoosiers greatly outperformed last year, and it's because they yeah. only played five games. Um, they if if a call goes a different way against Penn State, then they're not the flavor of the month. But another coach that people love to love, they love Tom Allen. He was a high school coach. He's this raspy guy that just wants to inspire his team, yada, yada, yada. Well, they open the year at Iowa. That is going to be a tough football game. I don't know if they have the chops to, to go toe-to-toe with Iowa uh, in a little uh, cross-divisional action. They have to go to Penn State this year. You know, they're going to lose to Ohio State. But the big game for me, like it, they host Cincinnati in the non-conference in week right. three. And you can easily see a scenario where they're starting out one and two. Maybe, you know, they, they go on the road to Western Kentucky. That can be another hinky game that if you're one and two and then you have a, 
close game with Western, you get the brakes beat off you about Penn State, then you start dropping games like to Michigan State or Maryland that you shouldn't lose. I think this schedule is really tough, mm-hmm. and I, I, Michael Penix has been really injury prone, so I, I can't rely on him to be there for an entire season. Yeah, that's the big thing I think for I, me. I'm taking under seven and a half on the Hoosiers. Yeah, this was another one that it was at eight. Um, if you could get it at eight, it feels like a lot, lot similar yeah. to Louisville. Um, but it, that one's on my list. Just didn't make my top five. Um, it's at plus one fifteen uh, yeah. right now, as I'm seeing it under seven and a half. So yeah, uh, so you get some plus value there. It just uh, you're just fading. It you're it makes sense to fade them this year after everything that happened last year. Um, they've got to go to Iowa. You mentioned they get Indiana. That's or excuse me, they get Cincinnati. That's a tough one. Yeah, um, I believe they have to go to Purdue. Right, right. So it's just, I mean, that could just, ultimately some, decide it too. Like yeah, even in a right. good year, they have to win on the road in a rivalry game. Uh, I did, you know, it smells like seven and five, and it will be a good year for Indiana, I think. But there's some, I think there's going some beats at some teams wanting a little bit of a revenge. Like yeah. they got to go to Michigan this year. Yeah. It's hard for me to see them beat Michigan two years in a row, especially how they thumped them last year. Penn State, they got to go to Penn State. Penn State's going to want, yeah, they're going to be get off the back blood. at them, right. So I, yeah, I like that that under seven and a half um, for the Hoosiers. And then my last one, Nick, I'm going back to AAC. Sonny Dykes is, I think, building some at SMU. You look at some of the recruiting success they are having. His offensive coordinator is Lincoln Riley's brother. Their new quarterback this year is going to be Oklahoma transfer Tanner Mordecai. So it's mm. going to be kind of a seamless transition. Great last name. And the the total is you know, it's six right now. I just think that this team's going to go seven and five, eight and four. Like that seems like a low total. I think this team, if things bounces right, they can compete for an AAC title. Um, so give me SMU over six, non-con Abilene Christian, North Texas at home at Louisiana tech at TCU. That should be three and one. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Right. USF at home should be a win Tulane at home. They're better off a of bye. That should be a win. They're better than Tulane. And then Tulsa at home, that should be a win. And then you've got UCF at home at Houston at Memphis at Navy are all winnable games. So, like, you could see Gum going eight and four, nine and three, and that's probably the one I feel best about. Now, you have to lay minus 150 on the juice for that Mm. six, but I feel pretty good about that SMU over six. None of them are as good as Kentucky over seven, though. Lock it up, stamp it, smack it on the bottom. Cats, Mm -hmm. that's a – man. And like we've talked about, the number for Kentucky, like, if I was setting it, it would have been seven and a half. I think that's the perfect – Yeah, yeah. Then you get because, it gets iffy, yeah. Right, because um, you know they're it, either going set like seven. You should feel good about seven and five, eight and four. I think at worst you're going to push so here you, at seven, like at, right. very mm-hmm. worse, and that's if mm-hmm. things bottom out. But like with the experience and the way the schedule sets up, you know, we we've talked about it, so we're blue in the face. But right. that's the the lockiness lock you'll ever have in. I believe Kentucky's hit the over last year was the first year, but we're we're throwing out the COVID year because. 2019, 2018, they hit the over. Yeah, and they did. They definitely did. Uh, that bowl year. That was yeah, the Lamar you year. You'd have to, yeah, in 2016, they for sure hit the over. And, and 17, so they did. Yeah. So throw, throw out the shortened season and they've hit yeah. over. If they didn't hit it in 2017, it was probably a push. It was probably at seven, I would imagine. Um. So yeah, yeah. they've hit the over here frequently lately. But before we get out of here, Nick, I was thinking of something. Do we want to have adopt an 11 personnel group of five team? Oh, like our Wait, G5 is, team that we're going like, to keep up with? This is a Kentucky with? football podcast, but this would be like – this would be a team like we would watch and kind of have a vested interest in. And then we could get the whole 11 personnel nation involved on it. 
So, so I've thought I've thought about this. Okay, you got some candidates for us, and maybe we can we can vote on it as a yeah, fan base and to, figure it out next week. Yes. So here's what I think: like it's got to be two options because either Maction has to be involved, like you. Maction like or Fun do, Belt, right? We can't do this without Maction, or it like it would have to be a Mountain West team so we could get like some Pac-12 after dark action. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So obviously New Mexico with Terry Wilson is an option. Yeah, that's an option. But are they going to be good? They were pretty bad last year. Right. I yeah. I don't. But the Mountain West is weird. Those teams fluctuate, and the Max the same way. Like Eastern Michigan, how can we turn down Eastern? We could get E Tough shirts and wear them around. I love Chris Creighton too. I know people still have ill will towards him because of the Terry Wilson injury, but still. So Kent State has an off like a spread it out, fun and gun offense and a good quarterback. They could be fun to watch, and they have some like interesting non conference games. Like they play at Texas A and M to open the season, and they've got a couple other ones. So those are three that kind of jumped out. I'd have to do a little more digging. Um, you know, we could do UNLV, jump on the Tathan train. I, I will say be pretty bad. We could do Hawaii. Michigan, we could stay up to one in the morning and rainbow. You already have a rainbow warrior hat. I do have a rainbow warriors hat. We we do have Eastern Michigan's got a pretty high over under at six and a half. This could be a, a they've solid got a good quarterback returning. I think that they've got like every starter back. And it, we that might have to and their be the antics way we go. are just awesome. I mean, they're 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 hilarious. That's probably the best football team to follow on Twitter, just because they tweet out all the <laughs> crazy stuff they're doing. Oh man! All right. Well, share your suggestions with us on Twitter at Roush KSR at Adam Luckett KSR. We need to hop on a G five bandwagon. If you have a personal G five team, maybe you went to you know this school in Ohio and it's yeah, a lot sell of fun. Us. You think they're gonna sell be good? Us yes. Sell us on it because we are going all in on a G5 team this year. This is a great idea. Like it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Man. Football. Yeah, I just, we just have to do, we could do like a Tuesday Night Life podcast while Maction's going on or something during the season. <laughs> uh, do we have, uh, do we have, let me see, is two weeks till week zero? Two weeks from Saturday, yeah. Oh, man. Bielema Frost, uh, one yes. o'clock, get us started. We're almost there, folks. We're almost there. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll be back for more. Uh, Until then, enjoy some tasty little roasted pizza. And keep it locked to KSR for updates throughout preseason practice. Uh, For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats. Go Kroger. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.